0: Welcome to Season 4 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Danielle Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Proudly sponsored by All Play. If you're looking for a board game table, bag, playmat, or great board games, check them out at letsallplay.com. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unbox, inspiration to publication, episode seventy-one, not so neighborly. Today we are joined by sisters Alice and Jessica Hong of Fam Bam Games. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Hi. Hey.
0: Thank you for letting
1: us join. I know. We need to coordinate a little bit better, sister. Yeah.
0: so cute. I love it so much. Well, yeah, no, thank you for being on the show. It was fun meeting you both in person at Gamma and continuing to see you pop up. So excited to talk about your game. But for anyone who doesn't know the two of you, mind telling your origin story of how you got into games? So we've always
2: played board games with our cousins. We're really tight with the rest of our family. And... Um, our cousin Lisa introduced to us to a bunch of games and we played a lot of casual games but we kind of got into game design during the pandemic when we had like a lot of time but yeah and when we went to PAX Unplugged about two years ago that's when we discovered that there's a lot of games out there more than what's available on the target shelves and oh yeah ever since then I've spent a lot of money on just board games. Piggyback on that, just we played so many games, but during
1: the pandemic, we really couldn't go shopping too often just because, of course, it was dangerous back then. So we we're like, why don't make our own game since we have so much time on our hands and we had many failed ideas, but we were able to finally come up with not so neighborly with just having time together, just spending
0: time together during the pandemic. Oh, uh, so how many people were in your little pandemic bubble that you could use to play to us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of cousins. Hold on, I had to count them because there's so
2: many. I know, but it's also like, we I wait. Have- there's like five of my cousins and I, my husband that I like bring in to like play test. So there's, there's usually like seven of us who can go around rotating and just play testing. We also have three little ones who are like ranging from ages like five to 10 um, that we kind of use to
0: also play test our games. But yeah, there's a lot of us. <laughs> That's so fun. I love that so much. I miss living in the Chicago area because I also have a stupid amount of cousins, but they all live over there and I'm now on the East Coast, so I I can't really take advantage of it anymore, which is a bummer.
1: We all live like five minutes from each other. So we see each other like almost every other day. It's like, oh gosh.
0: Oh, nice. Well, you know, is that where the inspiration came for the not so neighborly? Is this because of your family? (laughs) Yes, actually. Great great segue.
1: Uh, Famom Games, our company name, is actually the group chat name for our cousins group chat. So on our iMessage, it says Famom Games and inspired by family bonding and
0: moments. So it was exactly like you said, um, inspired
1: by our cousins and family.
0: That's so cute. Except mine, I was thinking not so neighborly because they live so close. I was taking it a different direction, but also great.
2: Yeah, even our uh, characters of not so neighborly, they're actually based off of loosely based off of our cousins um, and their personas and whatnot. Um, yeah, that's a little uh, uh, fun fact about our game
0: okay well who's the cousin with the match because i don't know if i want to meet them <laughs>
2: you're, you're
1: speaking to her
0: oh, no. <laughs> okay well all right for anyone who doesn't know this game maybe explain how the game is played and then we can go into why you are that person yeah uh, so not a neighborly is basically about building a neighborhood and destroying
1: your neighbor's neighborhood you want to be the first to reach 10 building points by doing um, on your turn you can build building you can either sabotage your others by pooping on your lawn or setting the buildings on fire and there's one notorious character dennis um he's a pyromaniac he loves destroying your neighbor's buildings setting things on fire i i'm not a pyromaniac but i do have a little let's say i love destroying little things in board games or like sabotaging my opponents
0: (laughs) fun and so then on your turn what exactly are you doing in order to collect the cards and play the cards
1: Yeah, so on your turn, you have two action points. You can do anything you want with those two actions. You can draw a card, you can play a card, or build a building. So what you can do is on your turn, two actions. I can draw twice, play once, build once. And you can either build a building, which could be ranging from points one, two, or three. Or you can either sabotage others or play a card, like skipping a turn or discarding a card.
2: And what inspired this theme? Ooh, when we got started about, like, what kind of game we should make, uh, we talked a lot about what kind of games we enjoy, and we made a list. And essentially, uh, my sister loved destroying things, like she just said, and I loved building things. So that was kind of like the centralized, um, what what we kind of went off of, of like what we enjoyed uh, playing most. I gotta ask, which one of you is older? Oh,
0: I'm definitely older. I'm actually 10 years older. (laughs) Okay. Than my sister i was thinking yeah. i'm like okay between building and destroying i feel like the okay i was trying yeah, to figure first born out. second born
2: <laughs> yeah have some uh psychologists
0: come in and like analyze <laughs> okay and then what did you do like once you kind of you came up with this game, you had your cousins, you got a lot of free time. How did it turn from what I'm guessing are probably like doodles or maybe use like computers to print out copies of this? But like, how did you take it from that initial idea into like the playtesting and development?
2: Yeah. So after we kind of played a couple rounds with our family members, and honestly, in the beginning, it wasn't even to put on Kickstarter or anything like that. We just ran out of games to play it was kind of hard to go out and buy a game during the pandemic so we're like why don't we make our own and it kind of snowballed into just i I think playing it multiple times really actually this could be something that could be really fun for a lot of people to play a game that's easy to pick up and kind of snowballed into just making characters that would be more uh retail ready because definitely our doodles were not <laughs> professionally made at first they were just really cute little doodles that me and my sister made but essentially we kind of uh, took our iPad and I made all the illustrations myself I did a lot of drafts of characters and what they should look like and then um, we brought it to PAX unplugged back two years ago um, and we brought it to unpub which is where you could play test with uh, random people and there we got people's feedback and once we play tested it enough I think there was a point where we didn't get as many um, critiques or anything like that that needed to be fixed but a lot of people just having a lot more fun and uh, just compliments about the game and that's when we felt a little bit more confident about uh, it seems mature enough for it to be on kickstarter and yeah the kickstarter was wild we raised a lot of uh funds there unexpectedly and we're just super excited that this game came to life how did you
0: decide to put it on kickstarter
2: yeah uh we debated a lot about whether we wanted to put it on kickstarter or maybe pitch but we've actually never (laughs) pitched a game before we're not game designers well now we are but before literally this was not part of our like job or anything like that and so, um, we're like, I've done a Kickstarter previously before for a separate thing, like enamel pins. So I already was kind of familiar with Kickstarter a little bit. And, um, I also like to exert a lot of control, creative control over what I build. And I knew that working with a publisher, you might have to kind of, you know, give up some of that control. Um, so me and my sister decided to do this fun project where we put on Kickstarter and if it does well, then it does well. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Um, I think it just gave us a lot more uh, flexibility in what we could do creativity wise and business wise. And, you know, since it did well, we're like, why not just uh, devote more time to it and actually make it into something that could be
0: retail ready. And how did you end up learning about Unpub, since it sounds like you weren't really gamers until a little before COVID? And then you just kind of spiraled down the hill of what is collecting too many board games. <laughs> yeah. Um
2: unpub, I think like I was looking at uh PAX Unplugged. I was just looking at local board game conventions in general. My sister actually goes to school in the Pennsylvania uh the Philadelphia area. So That's why we ended up going to PAX Unplugged. It wasn't like a, uh, it was just based off proximity. And then when we went, uh, looked into like the convention, we saw that Unpub was like one of the features or things that you could do at the convention. And we read up more on it and we're like, oh, I didn't even know this was something that people could do. Uh, I didn't know they created opportunities for people to bring their games to just test with, other people who love board games and really it was just kind of we stumbled upon it and we're so glad glad we did and it's like you could do um free testing which is like certain hours they allow people to just kind of grab a table and yeah, play the test free but play
0: versus the block yeah <laughs> yep.
2: we did do the block we paid the fee to have our own thing and it was like really cool to co- see people come by um who was looking forward to like oh i saw your game on the list and
0: it looked interesting so i wanted to come play this specific game. So that was really cool to see. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm guessing you probably don't know, but I'm one of the board members for uh, Unpub. So I'm always oh, curious to see how like new people <laughs> oh, wow. find this out. Yeah, so that's why I was like, oh, I'm always just curious to see. And that's cool that you saw it just... By chance, and decided yeah. to sign up for it. So yay, we're doing something right. Woo! Yeah, cool.
1: it was a great experience. Absolutely loved it. We were so nervous at first, but we got such good feedback. So definitely would do it for our next game.
0: Oh great! You should definitely try going to the Unpub Prime. It's in Baltimore area, so I would highly recommend that. It's a whole like Thursday to Sunday, so its own convention. Big fan. So and that's mini to- pub.
1: That's closer to us too, so that's perfect.
0: Oh, yay, well, sweet. Um, so then, okay, you have created this game. What made you decide that ten points ends the game? We play tested a lot with our cousins at first, um when we noticed there was a n-
1: natural stop towards ten points, but of course, like, we can increase it with
2: like expansion packs, but ten points was like the natural stop also, um because we knew our game was geared towards uh ages seven and up, um we wanted to make it easy for kids to be able to add up <laughs> the points as well. Yeah. And I feel like most kids know how to add up to 10. Um, that's why we kept the point system and the end of the game really easy to remember. It's a uh, 10 points. Uh, the ga- the points on the building cards are only from one, two, and three. So it's easy to like add up those points. Um, just wanted to make it very simple for people to understand how to reach the game.
0: And, uh, what scores they have. And you have a few cards that like specially combo to give additional points, right?
2: Yeah, I think we... So during playtesting, one of the hardest things was to find a balance between the different uh, values of the cards, right? With the action cards, with the point value cards and everything because we have one pointers and we have to think about, well, why would people want to collect these one point cards? Like why not just try to collect the three point cards? Um, and we want to keep that balance. So giving an incentive to collecting one point cards or points or cards with like no value, um, such as the fire station a neighborhood watch. And that's how we introduce like the bonus points by collecting certain sets. For example, you get uh, five points instead of the normal three if you collect one of each of the one-pointer cards, and you get three points instead of zero points when you collect both the fire station and the uh, neighborhood watch pair. Um, and that just encourages people to use their action cards such as fire, crime, or Uh, demolish to certain cards even like a one-pointer because that'll kind of affect like the bonus points that that person might have so really trying to create um create value for each of the cards every one of them
0: even the one-pointers uh in our deck and make it really fun for our customers that's awesome and how did you come up with the different attacks because you have crime fire demolish and of course petty neighbor
2: Yeah, so we looked up, like, common neighbor um, complaints (laughs) and things like
0: that. (laughs) Did you really? That's amazing. Yeah,
2: so we're like, what do people complain about? And, you know, our own personal, like, grievances of, like, what our neighbors do, you know, people don't pick up after their dogs after they poop, you know? And so that came up with the um, crime card. It's like a petty crime. They're leaving (laughs) poop on your lawn um you know arson that that's a little less of a joke but people commit arson um and you know you have nosy neighbors who like to get up in your business so just kind of relying on uh different things that uh people might experience if you have neighbors at one point um that's what inspired the attacks
0: I'm hoping that that never happened to either of you. Like you don't have any crazy neighbors that you base any of the characters off of. Not from my experience.
1: (laughs) Like maybe like the dog poop, but definitely not arson.
0: Yeah, thankfully. Okay, well, that's good. And then you have a card that's like it's getting serious card that shuffled in. Mind explaining that one?
1: Yeah, it's serious. So my cousins and I, we absolutely love just making each other laugh in games. And we absolutely love interactive elements as well. Because not only are you focusing on your strategy, you're also trying to interact with one another and just have a good time for a family game night. Which is why we came up with the card, It's Getting Serious, because that adds some element of interact with each other and being able to just really uh during the game you don't really focus on the strategy but you're also like okay like how can i make that person laugh so there's a little bit of an interactive
0: element that makes it more fun okay so when that card comes out what is the punishment if you are the first person
1: you lose a building in your neighborhood so that can be really bad if you are really close oh. to winning <laughs> so you can lose like but you get to choose you get to choose which building to give up but of course any point loss hurts
0: i was gonna say are there rules like no tickle attacks no, all's fair in love and war. <laughs> you could do
2: whatever you want. Uh, yeah, I, I think another thing is that uh, we want to create rules where people can like have a guideline and get started. But there is a lot of flexibility and a lot of like a lot of players like email us about can we do this? Can we do that? I'm like sometimes I'm like it's up to you guys. You guys can make house rules, <laughs> whatever you want. And like with the, it's getting serious, you could tickle, you could have inside jokes, anything's fair.
0: Okay, good to know. And then you have a block party expansion. What does that add to the game? Yeah, block party expansion,
1: uh, instead of the two to four players, it's now up to six players. And instead of reaching 10 points, you want to reach, I believe, 14 points. And there are just more building cars, like food trucks, All the neighbors are going to a little party together, so you have a little potluck, you know, eating kimbap, like hot dogs, ice cream, whatnot. And not only do you have more building cards, there are new action cards. I like the nope card, which I absolutely love. Um, The nope card is basically you stop an attack or stop a move. You can do anything you want, just basically say, nope, you can't do that. So there are more action cards, more building cards, um, more players, and more points, so the game's a bit
2: longer. Also, to clarify, our nope cards called "Sorry Neighbor," <laughs> not nope. But uh, there's other like action cards, like firework accident, and different. It's like all themed, and essentially, basically, with the expansion pack, we're just trying to uh, create uh, allow more people to play. It's up to six players, and the gameplay gets a little longer too because you play up to fourteen points instead of the normal
0: uh, ten. Okay. Have either of you really run like a business before this, or was this your first time when starting a publishing company together?
2: Um, I actually started like during the beginning, beginning of the pandemic. I started like an Etsy shop where I sold like stickers, and then that kind of rolled into uh, sticky notes, uh, planners, notebooks, and whatnot, which I still do on the side, not as big as like FanBam bam games and not so neighborly but through that i learned a lot of trial and error about manufacturing in general and fulfillment on a smaller scale uh but definitely not as big as not so neighborly um and FanBam bam games but had a little bit of knowledge yeah and i don't have any
1: um I guess, experience with owning a small business. Uh, I'm a college student right now entering my senior year. So this is my first time. And my sister definitely is a great mentor and leader uh, in this partnership.
0: And what made it end up being the two of you that started this versus like adding in your cousins and having like a huge family business? That's true.
2: It could have been a massive one. I think like, uh, definitely, I don't know. It's because like, america and like i'm like capitalism (laughs) but me and my sister are together all the time and it's just easier to work together when you guys are like uh in proximity and so it's just easier to come up with ideas bounce ideas and the two of us were more motivated to like oh maybe we could like uh actually make this into like a job a career versus uh uh, my cousins, they were, they just enjoyed playing board games. They weren't really interested in like uh, create, uh, turning into um, an actual career out of making games and selling games. Because, I mean, one of my big dreams is to be able to quit my full-time job and eventually do this full-time. Because I've been just doing this kind of like after my 9-to-5, this is my 5-to-9,
0: basically. Oh, that's so cool. And is your background illustration or graphic design since you did the artwork?
2: Uh, not, not exactly. I've always been creative and I doodle a lot, but I'm a UX designer. So I design like websites and things like that, but I don't really do illustration. Uh, that was just more of a hobby. Um, And by practice, like when I was younger, I used to trace like Pokemon (laughs) and like Sailor Moon and stuff. And like I would love to like doodle the different like Pokemon characters.
1: (laughs) So definitely got a a lot of practice there. So if I did the same thing, I would trace Pokemons, but I'm definitely not a good drawer like you, sister.
2: (laughs) No, but I feel like she influenced um, a lot of the uh, art style. 'cause so i I feel like uh Dennis, the yellow character in our game, looks very derpy and whatnot, so um, I guess not like the best drawer in like any traditional sense, but my sister comes up with like very like unique doodles that I get inspired by like, ooh, I can take little parts of her doodles into like the actual drawing. It's a good balance.
0: <laughs>
1: thank you for saying that I appreciate a sister.
0: <laughs> so funny, I love this so much, yeah, they're cute, they're cute little cartoony shape characters i'm like don't even know i was trying to figure out what the inspiration was for that art style yeah i mean we gathered a lot of the things that like brought us
2: joy like we watch a lot of cartoon network nickelodeon disney channel (laughs) and whatnot um and just kind of drawing inspiration from different shows that we watched and even studying like color theory of like what type of characters and Uh, or, or what type of colors represent certain character types and things like that. And we try to match that to the type of characters we have. And even in the rule book of our game, there's like a few pages where you could read about the different
0: characters, what they're like and their names and whatnot. Okay, that's cool. And how did you go about figuring out like which manufacturing company to use? Like doing the research on how to do a Kickstarter, like walk me through that. Yeah, so
1: we did a lot of research. We had a whole spreadsheet of all these manufacturers just doing online research, but also I think a lot of our friends, um, game board friends, uh, board game friends were really helpful. They'll tell us who they worked with, um, who they got quotes from. So the, We just comp- compiled a huge spreadsheet from like Alibaba, um, AdMagic, Longpack, uh, Panda. There are so many, and we would just receive quotes from each one of them. And really, we really care about quality. So after we see like samples, um, we really compare the quality of each box because we really want the best ones for our customers. But yeah, we essentially did steps where we made a spreadsheet, had all the manufacturers we were interested in working with, and then had quotes from each one and compare the prices and compare the quality of each boxes.
2: Who did you ultimately decide to use? We went with a long pack. Um, They were really fast and good quality. And a lot of our other board game creator friends have used them and um really had high praise for them. And uh, the quality, like my
0: sister said, was like really good um, and gave competitive pricing. Awesome. And then I ended up meeting you two thanks to the Horizon Fellowship. How did you get tied with them?
2: Ooh, yes. So um, we actually found out about Gamma through our friends at Gap Closer Games. They make rival restaurants. And they were like, hey, you know, there's this program that you guys might be eligible for and be interested in and sent us the link. And uh, we looked into it and we thought we fit like what they were um what the program was for. And essentially, uh, for those who don't know who are listening, Horizons Fellowship essentially is a fellowship for um, any underrepresented uh, people within the board game industry to be paired up with a mentor who might have more experience within the board game industry to learn about anything really. You could ask any questions and you also get like grants where you can use towards like your small business and board game design and also um, uh, have uh, some of the expenses paid for Gamma Expo, which is a trade show for board game uh, publishers and designers alike. And that was really helpful because, you know, me and my sister, like we touched on earlier, we really... Got into the board games like late and uh, didn't really know other people who played other than um, our own cousins. And so we just really didn't know what we were doing and had a lot of questions. But through this program, we were able to like meet a lot of people who are more experienced, ask a lot of questions. And um, the board game industry, everyone is so nice, so humble they are not going to gatekeep um, and that's why a lot of them pay it forward and we want to pay it forward too. So uh, answer any questions, but yeah, that program really helped us get connected to a lot of people in the industry and answer a lot of questions about fulfillment
0: or the whole process of uh, board game publishing. And how long did it take from the inspiration to the publication of your game? Ooh, actually it was a lot faster
2: than we thought. Uh The game idea from conception, I would say, took about like three months (laughs) to during the summer of the pandemic to just like come with a concept and then gameplay, like a basic gameplay. And then we kind of took a month to just refine that uh, gameplay, come up with like fun names. And then another month to come up with character designs, just drafting it up and uh, trying different like doodles and whatnot for the different characters. So really, I think less than a year, we uh, came up with the game, did all the designs, got samples uh, printed from different manufacturers. And then uh, then we put on Kickstarter and so in total, from conception to publishing and getting it to our backers' hands, I think it took about a year and a
0: half, two years, year and a half-ish. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, that is that is fast. I feel like on average, I say two years typically for people.
2: Yeah, I think granted our games pretty like straightforward and simple. It doesn't have too many complicated like mechanics, but um maybe that's why it's a lot shorter and I had a lot of inspiration to work with. Like my cousins kind of helped me out a lot with like the character design and the names and like concept and whatnot.
0: Oh for sure. Also cards is a lot quicker to manufacture. If you had heavy minis, that would have been a mess and take a lot longer. Ooh
2: learning about all the different components and the mold cost and and just learning about all the different fees that come with all the different type of components yeah (laughs) learn that way later on
1: yeah especially like if it's heavier it costs more and like shipping costs more if it's heavier just all those little um extra components just definitely was difficult to figure it out (laughs)
0: Oh, I believe it I've had to do all the costing of that stuff because I've worked for manufacturers and yep oh I feel like
2: you've uh uh done the whole spectrum of things like game design you're doing a
0: podcast unpub and like oh yeah the no manufacturing <laughs> oh that's <laughs> yeah. really cool No, it it definitely becomes helpful because then you can think of it as the full picture when you're designing, which now I'm sure you know that as you work on future projects, because you can kind of think like, oh, you know, this component's great. But like, do I actually need it? Because it's going to add that extra weight or that extra cost. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I think we're already thinking about our next game and just kind of thinking through stretch goals and accessories and components. Those are definitely things to think about because like, whatever components you decide to put in there also affects like what type of um, tray is in your game to carry all your components. And that might contribute to the weight. Like it's just domino effect of all these things that you have to think about when you're game designing.
1: Not only that, you also think about like how many colors are using because two colors versus like 10 colors can be also a huge price difference.
0: (laughs) Well, I know you guys have a plushie of one of your characters. So I'm sure just figuring out manufacturing of all those extra bits is always an interesting time as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, thankfully, uh, the manu- for those who are looking to get into manufacturing and whatnot, the manufacturers are very knowledgeable, and they're willing to answer most questions like, you know, how should I format like the design so that you guys know what I'm talking about? And they'll be really helpful and guide you as to like what kind of information they need to Bring your idea to life so when in doubt like ask like for example um for our new game we wanted an interesting box design and so we told lawn pack oh this is kind of the concept that we're thinking like uh we want to build it out this way and they made a prototype in under a week and sent it to us (laughs) and that was really helpful to see it's like oh okay you guys brought this to life Uh, and you can partner with um, your manufacturers.
0: So okay, if we go through the entire process, but focusing more on the design than the business side, what was your favorite and least favorite part of your experience of this one design in particular?
2: Um, For me, I can go first. Um, In terms of design, I really enjoyed coming up with like the theme and the name. I love a good theme. So I really enjoy just coming up with the characters and the name for the game, uh, the different attack cards, um, the concept. But least favorite? um, It's hard to say because I love every part of design, every part of the creative process. I have a lot of fun, even like receiving critiques. um, I think because you get to hear Uh, people's response to your design. But I guess that could be the most like least favorite because, you know, it's hard to hear criticisms like, oh, this doesn't work or that doesn't work or um, it's a humbling experience, but definitely a necessary one. So maybe that plus it's um, aside from like receiving critiques, it's like, I find it hard to like put yourself out there to strangers, (laughs) like the social aspect of it is like really hard. Um, because you gotta come out of the shadows of like designing your own game, and now you gotta emerge the game to like the public eye, and that's always like nerve-wracking. I'm trying to think,
1: but I mean, definitely my favorite part is coming up with the idea. I had so much fun just di- designing the prototype cards. I was becoming really creative, a little too creative maybe, um, with really random drawings. I think that was the, the best part. I'm trying to think of my least favorite part. I mean, I'm not the main designer and I don't, I haven't, I didn't illustrate the characters um, of the actual box. So I don't know. I can't really say what my least favorite part was, but definitely loved creating all the prototypes and having the initial drawings.
0: Okay, cool. And then now that you've done this process as starting up your own publishing company and as designers, do you have any piece of it? like one piece of advice for each of you to anyone looking to either start their own publishing company or to create the first design? That is a very like heavy question because we learned so much. So I'm
2: trying to compile like... But I just want to say, uh, you don't have to know everything to start something. We definitely didn't know what we were doing when we started something. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, If you can't find it on Google, you could definitely ask people through DMs on Instagram or something. You could definitely ask us if you have any questions. But definitely do your research. Um, Don't be afraid to ask questions. And don't be afraid to start if you feel like you don't know enough. Imposter syndrome is real, but everybody in this industry, at least from the people that I talk to, don't know what we're doing. So it's okay, just get started, ask questions, be curious and just try. I love it. I think
1: my I think piece of advice would be, it's okay to have ups and downs. There will be a huge learning curve. I think it's okay that you're not going to be 100% all the time. You're not going to be always so excited about your game. 100% of the time, there will be days where you're you're not as creative or you're not as passionate or you're not as um, excited, but that's completely normal. You cannot be 100% battery all the time. And I think that is my one piece of advice is to make sure you're well balanced, that when you are down to take that break, when you're up to keep grinding, grinding through it. I think piggyback on what my sister said, if you don't know, that's completely okay. And just ask. Anyone will answer your questions. And I think just to remind yourself, it's okay to have your ups and downs. That's cr-
0: that's what helps you increase and get better. I think that's great. Yeah. I am completely in the same ballpark of just fake it till you make it. <laughs> and yeah. Try your
1: best <laughs> and pay it forward exactly yeah we definitely if you don't know it
0: it's okay I think we're all in the same boat um all just faking it till we make it really all right well then you did mention that you're starting to think of your next game is there anything that people should be looking out for any fun projects or conventions you're attending so they can get their hands on this game Ooh yes so we will be at
2: PAX Unplugged later this year and um we'll have a booth there but we're planning on having a QR code um, and a preview of our next game, hopefully, <laughs> um, at the convention. So definitely swing by our booth. We don't have the number yet, but swing by our booth to like learn about our new game. And also, if you haven't played Not So Neighborly, you could also come by for a demo and whatnot. But that's the one convention that we'll be at this year. We've been just trying to balance my sister being a full-time student and me being a a full-time employee somewhere. So uh,
0: that's the one convention we're going to. Very cool. PAX Unplugged is still probably my favorite convention, especially because it's like at the end of the year. So everyone's like less stressed out and they're just like happy to be done with convention season. Same. I love PAX
2: Unplugged. I don't know if it's because um, that was the first board game convention that we've been to so it's a very special place in our hearts but i think that's the only convention i've been to where i've actually had the time and enjoyed playing games uh, people actually play games there <laughs> and there's a huge pax uh library and me and my sister played till like 1 a.m um each night and uh plus Philly has a lot of things to do outside of like board games and since it's near like the holiday season they have those like little uh, shacks outside where you could get like yeah, apple they have, cider like, christmas <laughs> markets
0: and stuff with yeah. the first wheel yeah it's super cute
2: yeah so there's like many things you could do and they have pretty good food so
1: Yeah, I love using um, the holiday season as an excuse to buy more board games. It's like, oh, it's Christmas, you know, or it's holiday season. I could buy whatever I
0: want and gift it to whoever I want. So it's like a little excuse for myself for shopping. See, Pax Unplugged is hard for me because it's the one that I actually drive to. So I don't have an excuse why I can't buy games because normally it's like, oh, (laughs) I can't buy it because I can't fit it in my suitcase. But I'm like, oh, crap, I have a whole car. (laughs) I could just leave my passengers behind and make more room for board games. <laughs> Maybe go Love carpool that. with me.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who needs the people? You have games. Even exactly. though you need even though you need people well, to play the games.
0: Yeah, that's true. I like the social aspect. I'm not really a solo gamer.
2: That's true. It's I feel like I can never like Uh, wrap my head around the concept i I, again i told you i like dip my feet into like board games and like advancing into the more like hardcore like medium weight games but yeah definitely the beginner games don't have as much solo play so i'm like how do you how do you get into solo play games um i haven't gotten myself to try one yet
0: i'd say i know final girl is supposed to be a lot of people's favorite like if you're into that uh, but okay. it only if you like scary things, because it's the whole concept of like in horror movies, the final girl, and then for each collection or something, it's like a different villain or bad guy or serial oh. killer or whatever it is. Um, and you're just basically trying to survive. So that's like one that I've heard a lot of people are like super into. I also I'm biased in the way that one of my friends helps design them so Ooh. I should probably someday try it I'm, <laughs> just, I'm not a solo gamer
2: yeah that sounds like fun I mean I usually get scared of jump scares but I, I don't know how you would get jump scared from <laughs> like board games so I think that might be up my
1: alley I get scared easily so I might read something and just start freaking out getting paranoid <laughs> but it sounds fun I will say
0: Okay. Well, hey, let's transition to my last question then. So probably not going to be a scary game for you both, but if you were to be the designer of a game that you did not design, which game would you want it to be? Ooh, hard question. I
2: think I, it has to do something with food. <laughs> I love eating and okay. I huge foodie. So but off the top of my head, even though this is not like food, food, um, I, I love the game chai, uh, where you're making like tea, mm-hmm. uh, collecting different ingredients. And I love how in that deck of customers you know there's like you know um they allude to certain popular characters that like we love like uncle hero from like avatar and whatnot i think i would have just had so much fun just coming up with all the different like types of customers that stop by and imagining what type of tea that they would have gotten from the shop and whatnot and those could like they have so many like uh, good components like the market and the pantry i would have just had so much fun just coming up with those different like
0: items in the game so maybe chai it is a beautiful game it is it pops anytime I walk by its booth at like any convention yes and ASMR when you like drop the ingredients into the cup I'm like I'm a huge
2: fan of the whole experience it's a good game to like pull out even for like beginner like board gamers like amongst my friends they enjoy it too
1: I was like thinking the entire time um as you're we speaking. I think mine would have to be Gorinto. I really like this game Gorinto. It's basically a game about like the like elements and you collect um elements on in a unique pattern and on your turn you can collect more elements. Um I think your goal is just to collect as many elements, but I really like the complexity of the game. Uh, it's Graphic-wise, it's very simple, but I just love how on your turn there's so many different things you can do and so many different ways to win and so many different ways to collect points. I just love how complex it is. I would love to make a game that's more complex, but I think I need a little bit more experience um, playing these tabletop games. But I think that's one game I would love to be a designer of just because I think it's just so intricate.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I played that one slash bought it for the first time this year. It's uh, from Grand Gamers Guild, right? I'm not sure who the publisher is. Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, but it's it's cool because each element collects in different like rows, like diagonal or orthogonal or whatever. It, it's very cool. i'm a, I'm a fan of abstract games. I think it's really interesting when you have a game that's not at all based on luck because like there's no card drawing. you everything you see in front of you is like what you have access to. I'm a big fan of those kinds of games.
1: Yeah. I love how you can think like three turns ahead. I think that's just so cool. (laughs) Yep.
0: I definitely recommend it. It also scales pretty well um, with like higher player counts, which is interesting for that kind of game. So normally it's like two players. I design a few of those types. So Yeah. And
2: that's one of the games that we were able to play with our parents because it doesn't have a lot of like words. Um, uh, We come from like an immigrant family. And so like, there's definitely a language barrier when we play like board games, but with abstract games, because it's just pure strategy, as long as you know what each piece kind of does, there's no need to like read instructions or anything like that. And so that was one of the games that we could have played
0: with our mom and dad. Oh, that's awesome. I love language independent games and I think there's always going to be a space for them. And I was surprised by when I started playing like heavier kind of Euro games, a lot of them are very symbol based. So even though it's a lot of rules, it's not too much reading for a good chunk of them, which I love. Oh, yeah. I I think thinking of accessibility is like next level for
2: a game design, just trying to figure out different ways you can... um, I guess, improve the design so that everyone can play and everyone can have an enjoyable experience with the game. Um, Because a lot of times I do feel like that's lost with certain games, even like our own card games and whatnot. But that's something that we just, moving forward with the different games that we make, we want to make sure it's an enjoyable experience, regardless of language or ability.
0: Well, awesome. You've got your design challenge now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) a big one.
2: (laughs) Oh my we, we got
0: up for our next game. We'll try. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you to both of you and also everyone who's been listening to this episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 71, Not So Neighborly. And thanks again, Alice and Jessica, for joining us. For anyone trying to find you online, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, they can go to our site,
2: www.fambam.games, and you can find some of other- our stuff there. You can also reach out to us through Instagram and TikTok at
0: fambamgames um,
2: for both handles. Sweet.
0: And then I'm your host, Danielle Reynolds. If you're trying to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram, Blue Sky, and What what, I'm going to call it Twitter still under the username Token Gamer, and that's G A Y M E R. But thanks again for you both being on the show. It's been great, like knocking in you at conventions, and I'll see you at PAX Unplugged. Yes, thanks for having us. Thank you. For sure. Thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. If you're looking for a great board game, bag, play mat, or gaming table, check out All Play at Let'sAllPlay.com. Join us next
2: time.